0: Hello, my AOWs. Thank you so much for clicking into the episode today. Today, I'm talking all about the upcoming North American Menopause Society's annual meeting, which is October 13th to 15th in Atlanta, Georgia. The reason I wanted to do this today is, one, I actually usually take the time to sit down, look at the agenda, and get really excited about what I'm going to learn. So I'm going to do that totally live on the fly with you, um, going over what the topics are, who's presenting, who I know, and what I'm really excited for. I'm also presenting myself. I'm going to tell you a little about the research that I'm going to be presenting, and the poster that I'm going to be presenting. If you're a healthcare provider, you're going to absolutely love this. I know so many of you listen to this show. We're going to get into what you might see if you're coming, and uh, what is on the horizon, what's exciting in menopause news if you're not going to be attending. And if you're not a healthcare provider, if you're simply a listener to the show, it's so fun to know what are the leaders in menopause going to be talking about this year. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Today's podcast is sponsored by Sweet Spot Labs. Intimate dryness is one of the menopausal symptoms I get asked about most in my practice. And it's no wonder estrogen is to the vulva what collagen is to the face. As estrogen decreases, so does the natural moisture in your intimate skin, such as the labia and hair-bearing areas, which can lead to itching, burning, and increased sensitivity. The product I recommend to rescue intimate skin from this discomfort is Rescue Balm from Sweet Spot Labs. No joke. It's an ultra rich intimate moisturizer that is 100% naturally derived and packaged with active levels of collide oatmeal, zinc oxide, sweet almond oil to soothe and protect intimate skin. I not only love what's in it because it really works, but also what's not in it. So Sweet Spot Labs has been pioneering clean, intimate skincare since 2003. And they formulate without any common irritants, allergens, hormones, hormone disruptors, or yeast food sources. Rescue Bomb is free from water, preservatives, fragrance, silicones, propylene, glycol, steroids, hormones, parabens, glycerin, and even from poor clogging ingredients like coconut oil, just to name a few. And like all Sweet Spot Labs products, Rescue Balm is hypoallergenic and clinically proven by unbiased third party gynecologists and dermatologists to be non irritating on intimate skin, even with daily use. That's why I really, really feel comfortable recommending it to anyone and everyone, including me and even those with very sensitive skin. Visit Sweet Spot Labs. And use code Dr. Hirsch for 20% off your first order. That's dot scom and use code Dr. Hirsch for 20% off. If you guys have not checked out Sweet Spot Labs, I highly recommend you do so Really and truly, I only pick sponsors for whom I absolutely believe in their mission and their products, and I've been using these myself for many, many months and really, really love them. So today we're talking about the North American Menopause Society's Annual meeting, and I talk about NAMS, which is its uh, short name, all the time on my show. That's not only because I am a member of NAMS and also a part of the leadership vo- board and do various different uh, volunteer projects for NAMS, of which I'll tell you about soon, but because it is the leading governing body of all evidence based midlife and menopause information here in the United States. Many of the Leaders and scientific uh, advisors, researchers, clinicians at NAMS are my mentors. And I really think it's really important to give credit where credit is due because it was so much of my knowledge. And uh, my uh, passion for teaching midlife and menopause really, truly does stem from many of my mentors, almost all of whom who are, uh, are involved at various different levels with NAMs. So I'm going to be doing two things at NAMS. I'm presenting a poster on my research, and I'm also presenting at the very last Saturday morning, which is a section on, you know, 10 top things you should know this year, an expert panel. So that's where I am. And I'm going to be presenting some really interesting data. So let me tell you about both of those things. My poster, the research that I'm presenting with my fellow Dr. Aaron Duraldi, comes from data collected from my patients in Boston at the Brigham and Women's Hospital who fill out pre-validated survey screeners for me when they come to see me at the clinic. And thank you for doing so for any of you who are my patients. I know many of you are. And what we found. Um, is that coming to a menopause clinic improved quality of life, sleep, and reduced hot flashes. All right. So that's the brevity of it. Now, when we looked at the data, we didn't have actually too much money or funding for you know very uh, detailed statistical analyses. So we just took all comers to the menopause clinic at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. And I think it's an N of slightly under 200 women. And we looked at these pre-validated scores, quality of life scores, anxiety and depression scores, sleep scores, something called the menopause rating scale, or the MRS for short and the hot flash daily interference score. So even though we didn't stratify based on did you take hormones therapy, non-hormone therapy, did you choose lifestyle, And supplements, we didn't stratify, but just coming to a menopause clinic reduced the severity of symptoms in terms of hot flashes and sleep disturbance, improved quality of life, and I believe reduced anxiety and depression, but that one was not what we call statistically significant. And that is really exciting. That is really exciting. The next step would be to stratify, to see was there a difference between what type of therapy a patient took or didn't take. And uh, so more more research will be done there. And this is why it's really important to uh, participate in research as a patient and for us as clinicians so that we can better answer these questions patients have of, Well, what is the best way to treat my symptoms? So that's what we're going to be presenting in our poster. The next thing is I'm going to be presenting a research paper on different formulations of hormone therapy and their risk of breast cancer. And one of the papers from 2022 that I found to be the most important of the year was a paper showing that micronized natural progesterone or Prometrium did not increase the risk of breast cancer. And of course, this is really significant because one of the biggest reasons women choose not to take hormone therapy probably is still the fear that hormone therapy will give them breast cancer or cause breast cancer. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that many of us menopause experts do not believe that that is the case. And there's data to show from the women's health study that women who take estrogen without a progesterone have statistically significant reductions in breast cancer and that the progesterone component really matters. Now this research paper really did show that with micronized natural progesterone there was no increased risk of breast cancer. And when you compare that to an estrogen or you added that with the estrogen, sorry for the hormone therapy formulation, there was no increased risk of breast cancer. And this is really, really significant. This is really, really, really big because I just had a patient tell me because she has a history of dense breasts, which is not an independent risk factor for breast cancer. But because of that, her... A high-risk breast uh, uh, doctor uh, told her she was really concerned about her being on hormone therapy, but what if there was no good reason to say that to someone who's on a transdermal estrogen patch and micronized progesterone? So this is really, really important. So I'll be presenting that on Saturday. So if you are a clinician, I actually know there's many of you who are clinicians who listen to the show, and thank you so much for your support. I would love to see you at NAMS. Feel free to just run up to me anytime you see me. If you don't know what I look like, you can check me out on Instagram or you can probably see the little picture of me on the podcast icon. And I'm a pretty short girly with uh, long brown hair and I love meeting all of you and hearing what brings you to NAMS, what makes you so excited about midlife and menopause and you know what in particular really touched your life. Just as much as I love helping my patients, I really want to increase provider knowledge because I alone cannot help every menopausal woman in the United States. There is, I think, somewhere around, oh gosh, I want to say like 30 to 80 million women. That's a wide range. So it's got to be a little bit tighter than that. But 30 to 80 million menopausal and perimenopausal women in just the United States alone. 1.1 billion women around the globe are going to go into menopause in the next three years, right? So there's no way that me or even the people at NAMS alone, the few hundred of us there are enough to treat the 30 to 80 million women in the United States we all need each other. And I'm really so lucky to have grown this platform and have this um, book coming out where I can encourage and inspire and teach others to help more women. So if you're going to be at the NAMS conference and you're a healthcare provider, please come up to me and say hi. We'll snap some pictures, we'll put them on social media, Instagram. It's always really, really fun. If you're a layperson, NAMS is a CME course for providers. And one of the reasons um, I love NAMS uh, is because they're really an inclusive group. So NAMS is made up of doctors from many different specialties, which includes internal medicine clinicians, which I am, and which actually I think there's now an overwhelming majority of internists, gynecologists, endocrinologists, family medicine doctors, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, pelvic floor physical therapists, uh, pharmacists, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants. And so it's just a wonderful, colorful group. In fact, I think there was even some social workers a few times I went. Sometimes lay women do go also, but typically those who are very uh, involved in menopause or maybe have a menopause company or an educational company. And so it's a lovely, lovely, amazing group of people. I was fortunate enough to be on the NAMS, a retesting group, <laughs> I'm probably not saying that right, but there was 10 of us selected as uh, experts in menopause to help rewrite the NAMS exam. So what the heck is the NAMS exam? Well, NAMS really is the governing body of all things evidence-based in the United States. And there is an exam that you must pass to demonstrate your credibility and your advanced knowledge in providing care to women in midlife and menopause. So the test was, had not been updated in many years. I'm going to even go so far as to say two decades. And of course, in that time, there's been a lot of uh, up-to-date information, and the test just really needed to be updated to reflect the importance of students studying what's clinically relevant. So I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And one of the things that was really important as we were creating, rewriting, I should say, the test was that we really came into it in mind that we have a depth and breadth of different specialties who are taking the NAMS exam and it is no longer really written and suggested just for OBGYNs because there's Clinicians from so many different specialties, particularly now more of our internal medicine and our nurse practitioners and even pharmacists. So we really wanted to make a clinically relevant, more inclusive NAMS exam. So good luck to anyone who is taking the exam. I've heard from many people that listening to my podcast helped them pass the exam, which I would love to hear that. You can always DM me over at um, Heather MD on Instagram, and that's my handle Uh, via all social media platforms. So I was a part of that NAMS uh, research test recertification rewriting, you know what I'm trying to say. I was part of that and it was really, really fun. I got to really spend many hours with the 10 expert uh, clinicians rewriting the test so now I just want to get into what is going to be presented at NAMS this year. What am I most excited about? The course goes from October 12th to October 15th. in, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I have never been to Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm really excited. If you haven't listened to my last uh, subscribers-only podcast on why I'm moving, you should definitely check that out and thank you if you do, um, but there are so many crazy things in my life. I'm just hopeful. I... I get on the plane. I actually still have to make some some plane tickets here, and I've got a week left. But so the first day of the menopause conference always has what we call like a menopause 101 course. And this is really a great thing if you are planning on taking the NAMS exam or you are really new to uh, the world of menopause. You haven't had a lot of clinical experience per se. Maybe you have done a lot of reading, but NAMS 101 is a really great introduction course specifically for those who are interested in really jumping into menopause. I'm happy to see that they're talking about the ins and outs of hormone therapy and weight gain, which is a really important topic since so many women do come to clinic asking about that. And then there's also some on sexuality, mood, bone health, and cardiovascular disease. And Dr. Christandra Schufeldt is the president of NAMS this year and a good friend of mine and really so excited for the program that she has put together. She is now in Jacksonville, Florida and is a part of Mayo Clinic. So follow her over on Twitter. She is uh, just a wonderful wealth of information and doing some really important groundbreaking research in cardiovascular disease and hormone therapy the scientific chair of this year's NAMS is uh, led by Dr. Rebecca Thurston, who is the professor of psychiatry at the University of Pittsburgh. And if I'm correct, the scientific program committee chair becomes the next NAMS president for the year. So congratulations to Dr. Thurston. So the The NAMS conference opens with one of its first symposiums, which is called Estrogen Over Lifespan The Impact on Cardiovascular Disease. And this is in no part because Dr. Schufeldt is really interested in her research in cardiovascular disease and and female hormones. And what I love about this is we're getting really into the benefits of estrogen and how estrogen plays a direct role in women's cardiovascular health. So I'm really excited to learn about that and we're looking also at premature and early menopause and what it means to lose estrogen at an earlier age, so I'm excited they're going to be addressing that. Then the next day of the NAMS uh, conference kicks off, and they're starting with its keynote address, which is the impact of perimenopause and menopause on weight status. This is really, really good stuff. These are the clinical things that patients come to Us as clinicians come to me with, and they want to know why the heck did I start gaining weight around perimenopause and through menopause, and what can I do about it? Mm -hmm. Then we really get into the 2022 NAMS position statement on hormone therapy. We get right into hormone therapy, which sometimes NAMS doesn't always spend so much time talking about. You think they would, but listen, there's a lot of things to cover when it comes to midlife and menopause, and hormone therapy isn't always on the menu. at at such ferocity every single uh, conference, but this time it really is. So we're talking about hormone therapy for women with chronic medical conditions and comorbidities and also hormone therapy for the uh, transgender woman. Next is a big symposium all about mental health, and I think this is so important. And it's so important that I titled one of my menopause types in my upcoming book, uh, The Mind and Mood Type. And I think mental health really is impacted, not just by the environmental changes that are happening to women in the midlife transition, but also because of direct effects from the hormone loss, from losing estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So I'm really excited to be learning a little bit more about that. Then we get into controversies in genitourinary syndrome of menopause. huh? So what are the controversies we're going to be learning about? Well, it looks like we're going to be talking about lasers and technology and probiotics and the vaginal microbiome, fact or fiction. So I'll get back to you on that. Then we have a symposium on breast health, we're talking about survivorship after breast cancer, by Dr. Miriam Lustberg, who is a former colleague of mine at the Ohio State Wexner Medical Center. She's now the director of the Breast Center at Yale Cancer Center, and so I'm excited I'll get to run into her, and nutrition and prevention of breast cancer, so some updates on what can we do to keep cancer at bay. After all of this fun, there's a lot of individual poster sessions, which I'll be at standing by my poster, and uh, my fellow Dr. Giraldi will be there presenting uh, our shared research, and then some people are presenting individual uh, top research um, that's very interesting to me. After that, we go into the next symposium, which is on sleep. So, so far, I'm loving this. We've got hormone therapy, mental health, breast health, controversies in GSM, and now sleep. And we're looking at implications of sleep disturbances on health and treating sleep disorders, disorders, I should say, by behavioral, oh my gosh, you know, I'm reading as I'm going. So this is like an unboxing alive, but behavioral and pharmacologic interventions of sleep disorders. So that should be really interesting. Then we go on to a lesson on bones, or I should call them symposiums, Uh, symposium on bone health. And we're looking at the gut bone access, how the gut microbiome communicates with your bone. So that's really cool. Actually, I've never thought about that. And then osteoporosis treatment options. Then we're going into uh, top scoring abstracts. And so people are going to be giving their individual research. Another symposium. Now, at this point, I want you to know this is like day three. So this is symposiums are about an hour, hour and a half, and then lots of Q&As after. So a symposium isn't just necessarily a lesson or a lecture. It's really a, a chunk of time of the meeting that's devoted to this topic. So we're getting into intersectionality, inclusivity, and midlife women's health. So we're looking at disparities in the menopause transition, which I think is so vital, so important, um, that we at least identify what they are, and then as time goes on, actually better understand how those afflict those women and impact their health. And there's a discussion on uh, race-related stressors and risk factors for coronary heart disease in African-American women in midlife, which I think is really, really exciting to hear. All right, more oral abstracts. Um, And then we get into, um, let's see, the NAMS Endowed Lecture, and it's Barriers Women Face in Academic Medicine. Are we there yet? Oh, that's really interesting. If you've been following along with me for a little bit of time, and you've heard I did a podcast on why I'm moving, um, you know, it's no surprise that there are some barriers to be faced in academic medicine. And, you know, briefly touching upon this, since I'm, again, looking at this course agenda live as I'm doing this podcast, um, the reason I feel like academic medicine posed a little bit of a barrier is that it's it's, it's hard to be innovative in an academic institution. And you'd think that uh, when you have all the resources available to you, but. Truly, it's a big team. It's a big university with lots of different departments and divisions and leadership. And uh, more people means uh, resources are spread over more places and that many people have ideas on what's going to make the system, the business run. And so having innovative ideas that you need to test and try and maybe fail at is actually really hard to do at a big hospital system. I'm going to be talking so much more about this in the coming weeks and months because I am moving from Boston and I'm taking a new position. So that's so interesting that that is what's going to be the topic of the endowed lecture at the uh, menopause meeting this year the next symposium is on sexual health we're doing sex and cancer dr sharon bober is speaking who is at dana farber cancer institute so a good friend of mine and looking at low desire and pain in women that should be interesting then we get into another symposium on weight and obesity and looking at pharmacologic treatment options for weight and behavioral treatment options. And then lastly, the last symposium is top things you should know this year with the expert panel and I'm speaking there and so many other amazing clinicians are speaking. So. Dr. Pauline Mackey, who's a professor of psychiatry at the University of Illinois, is going to be speaking. Dr. Pinkerton, former uh, director of NAMS, who's at the University of Virginia. Dr. Peterson, she's the director of medical breast specialties at Cleveland Clinic. I'm excited to meet with her. And there's so many amazing things coming up at the NAMS conference. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So that's a little bit about what's on the menu, what's on the agenda. So what does this mean for you, for my wonderful listeners? Well, I think I'm going to podcast while I'm there. I think I might even podcast on the... uh on the go and put some of these on my subscriber only show. Uh, If you listened to my last podcast last week, you know I sound a little bit different and that's because I'm not using my pretty fancy sophisticated podcasting system. That's because it's on a truck somewhere and I I don't have access to it as my family's moving. So in the interim, I'm using my husband's old gaming headset. It's terribly embarrassing, but this is where we are. That's also why my voice sounds a little bit more congested, stuffy, or my peas. in my t's sound kind of harsh on your ears i don't have my fancy setup with this nice little pop filter that makes everything sound so crisp and clear but it also means i've realized that even though this method of podcasting it seems really immature to me or something i did back in 2018 it works. It gets the job done. It gets the podcast out there and it gets you, my listeners, uh, knowing what's, what's going on, especially as it's unveiling. My good friend, Kelly Casperson, I'm sure you follow her on social media and you um, may listen to her show. Uh, she inspired me to do this. Sometimes she listens to the show. So shout out to Kelly Casperson. She was podcasting at the IshWish meeting last year, the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health and you know i i just well i've got my whole fancy podcasting system and oh i don't want to bring my travel microphone that's so clunky well this is just a headset and it's really easy to throw in my suitcase and bring y'all with me. So that's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much for listening. If you love the show, give it a few stars, give it a review, Um, hit me up on social media, on Instagram. I'm going to be uh, having so much of my story and my highlights, my reels on uh, the week of NAMS, which is the 13th through the 15th, 16th. And there is so much going on. I can't wait to tell you all about my new position, my new role, where you can find me, where I'm going to be, and all that is coming up soon. So listen, if you also are thinking about the subscriber only show, it's four bucks a month. It really helps me out. Plus I give you so much insider tea on, you know, just all the things. So thanks again and I'll see you guys next week. Bye everyone. episode.